0: Sometimes
1: wild. And wild. And
0: wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by entrepreneur and founder of Wave Pack Clothing, Terrell Clark. Terrell took his passion for basketball and fashion and turned it into a clothing line. Growing up in Camden. Terrell was not exposed to many forms of wealth, and the desire to succeed originally pushed him towards basketball. As much as he shined in practice and pickup, those skills shrank during games. Diagnosed later in life with situational anxiety and depression helped Terrell understand why his skills eluded him during games. He has taken the same passion for basketball and dived into forming Wavepack. Leaning on the resources of the internet, Terrell has been on a crash course to learn as much as he can on the ins and outs of developing your own brand. In addition to discussing his brand his passion for basketball, and mental health. We also jumped around different NBA topics. There's a hard cut towards the end of the episode because when this was recorded several weeks ago, we made NBA playoff predictions. Well, those predictions were trash, but they did lead to a funny story about copyrights and an Allen Iverson t-shirt I bought, so I left that in. Check out the show notes for Terrell's socials and pick up some Wave Pack gear. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's wild, A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey, escape the city and move to the suburbs? finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email brianmccoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. Tonight, my guest is Terrell Clark, entrepreneur and founder and creative designer of WavePack. Welcome.
1: Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, man. I appreciate you coming on. So let's talk about WavePack a little bit. Entrepreneur and founder of WavePack. If I was a better host, I'd be wearing my WavePack shirt that I, I've had now. <laughs> great quality, comfortable, feels good. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. Hey, Great quality. Can you explain to me how you came into creating, thinking of Waypack, and and being a designer? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Waypack actually, to me, was more of an outlet or something. More so, first it became something to do during COVID. It actually started during COVID. I always had, you know, a, a good good um, interest in fashion. Prior to COVID, I was playing basketball a lot, so my time was pretty much dedicated towards basketball. Actually, basketball was. Majority of my life, honestly, was the biggest outlet for me growing up was basketball. And I spent the majority of my childhood playing and, you know, doing research on basketball. I was like a junkie for basketball. It was a great outlet for myself. But during COVID, it kind of sat everybody down and it actually gave me more time to evaluate myself outside of basketball. And I really, uh, I really enjoyed fashion. And in basketball, I was more so introduced to fashion with more so how guys are dressed on the runway now where they come into the game and they're dressed basically like it's a a fashion show and that really piqued my interest with the internet and everything like that so wavepack actually just you know it it was first something to do an outlet to do and something to you know basically pour my creative endeavors in and now it's became a little bit more for me because I, I'm building more of a message behind it, as opposed to just doing something. Right now, the message behind it is, is simply just doing, honestly, what you want to do. And during COVID, outside of basketball, I had no clue. And fashion became basically that outlet for me. So right now I'm trying to build it and basically build a, a basically a following
0: all right. So I have a couple different directions I want to go here. You're bringing up hooping. What did you do during COVID? I mean, everything just shut down on day one. Couldn't go play indoor ball anymore. Did they, no. at, at your parks, were they, did they close off the parks? Did they take the rims down? I saw that at some places they were doing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. They actually took the rims down where I was from. And I, I used to play a lot of LA business, but, uh, you know, that was closed because of COVID. But yeah, they took the rims down everywhere. So I had nowhere to go. I was just on YouTube watching basketball and I kind of fell into a rabbit hole with basketball. Basketball turned into fashion and I just, you know, fell more in love with clothes. So with that, uh, you know, that fandom I had with basketball, I just poured that same energy into fashion. Whereas though I was like, you know, more of a historian with basketball. I can tell you people's birthdays, different schools they went to and different things like that. Now I can I try my best to learn the most about fashion and same lightness.
0: So where do you start when you want to try to learn more on fashion? How did you YouTube. branch off? <laughs> YouTube I love the internet, man. The internet is great.
1: Honestly, yeah. Honestly, YouTube university. I learned everything I know from YouTube and, and the internet. The internet is honestly the number one tool. Honestly, I wish we had it growing up, but taking most advantage of I can right now, now that we have it.
0: definitely wasted more than my fair share of time on the internet and now with the podcast and even before just doing research connecting to people that i've never spoken to i'm reaching out to people you know that i saw a book in barnes and noble or i just saw on twitter and you know conversing with them online it's just a great connecting tool instead of just scrolling through instagram or facebook and looking at dog pictures or whatever it might be and i'm one to go into a a rabbit hole of basketball highlights or whatever it is and i was just watching Michael Jordan dropped sixty on the Celtics thirty years ago or something. Uh, right. I eighty six it was, whatever. Oh man, forty. Ah, I start doing the math, I get really old.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. It was thirty <laughs> years ago, now.
0: Yeah, but I watched three minute highlight on that. And that was a great part of my day. But you know, to really sit here, you know, you can you can get this education without having to go to a fashion school. You can get this education without having to sit in a classroom. You can get this education without directly knowing people. The TED Talks and the offshoots of that that you can find on YouTube of people just giving away. Nuggets of knowledge for you to devour and to then, Absolutely. you know, push you off in a different direction.
1: Absolutely. Growing up, it was just really hard for me to read and sit down and read. And the fact that I have YouTube, where I can pull up a YouTube audio book on a book that may take me two or three hours to get my hands on, I can actually sit down and actually listen to a book or drive my car and I can hear it firsthand. The internet is an amazing place, man. It it, it can be a, it's a gift and a curse, honestly. Once you become less of a consumer of the internet and more of, you know, somebody that actually, you, well, as long as you know what you're actually consuming, you know what I'm saying?
0: Right. That's the waste of when time you, that I was talking about. And I, I feel like you were just about to give me a, a great phrase. I was like, you know what, that's brilliant. Once I'm not a consumer and I am a, I'm the driver of the internet, you yeah, know, like that, like I'm choosing like where to go. That's, that's, that's the smart yeah, that's part e- of it.
1: That's exactly where I was going. But right, so you're, absolutely. you're going
0: down YouTube rabbit holes. You're sorry. NBA fan, basketball fan. Uh, you see the fashion that's changed and evolved. The oversized suits from the from the '90s, then uh, the Iverson error and the baggy jeans. A lot of jewelry and watches. Then David Stern cracks down on that and tells everybody they have to wear a suit. Now it's very stuffy, high-end suits. You know, beautiful suits on them and everything, but not a lot of personality. Then David Stern moves on. Adam Silver takes over. And now you're seeing, I mean, you said runway earlier. It truly is a runway. The guys come in, Russell Westbrook coming in. This guy looks like every day that he's on a runway showing off whatever. I think he even designs his own clothes. But, you know, he comes in with some wild stuff, you know, very innovative and, you know, very pushing the line for the clothes that he wears. Is this stuff that you look at and, you know, that's giving you inspiration?
1: Absolutely. That honestly is where uh, most of my suspicion draws from watching these guys and coming in and seeing what they're actually wearing. And it, it it's great to see it, too, because it's, it's building a new avenue for them money wise. This is a billion dollar industry. Fashion is a billion dollar industry. And now that they have their hands on different designer pieces, they are now becoming, you know, basically the influencers to these different bigger fashion houses. Whereas uh, years ago, like you mentioned, right after the AI era, there, it, that opportunity wasn't there. So, me making fashion is, is um, one thing, but I, I do want to dive more so in the business side of it too, and just to learn, you know, different ways to better indulge myself in in fashion.
0: So, what type of avenues do you see yourself going down, or have you gone down or explored?
1: Right now, you know, for me, the easiest demographic of fashion would be streetwear and uh, casual basketball attire, because it's uh, the market I know. Because that, you know, I grew up within the basketball community, so it's it's where I started, but it's not where I want to, you know, continue. More so in the future, I do want to do more avant garde pieces where I'm actually constructing the pieces from scratch. But um, earlier on, I was doing more so embroidered pieces screen print where I do I, I do everything in-house so during COVID I I bought a screen print machine I bought um, a heat press I inboard in-house as well so everything I do make I buy blanks for but I do actually take the time out and make the pieces all uh, in-house so but moving forward I want to move towards a cut and sew more cut and sew design where the pieces are actually telling more of a story my next drop I'm doing right now is uh I want to do more of a race car theme, whereas it's more of like Talladega night, almost drag car racing on the beach, that type of feel. So I'm going to be making race car polos, different, uh, I'll be offering different air fresheners and bumper stickers and different uh screen print t-shirts and things of that nature. So moving forward, I want to do things of that nature, but right now, I'm building the brand by basically word of mouth and dropping pieces that are dear to me. But I understand this is what my market wants. But in the near future, I want to make things that I truly, purely enjoy making.
0: I like the idea of branching off, you know, one basketball and streetwear is great. What made you think of race cars and then also that market? I don't really know where race car gear is sold, but when I do see people wearing racing gear, it just seems to be a driver, you know, the name, like Dale Earnhardt and a number three and then a his car. Yeah. And that's just, uh, yeah. kind of just the very early 1990s, the basketball t-shirts, you know, that right. they used to yeah. have. It would just be like the giant Hornets logo would be on there. The six, and like, they all were the exact same thing, except just the different logo. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I love, it. yeah, I love that. And they were classic shirts, but I, saw- I, I would love to have them still right now, but they, they weren't. <laughs> sure. There wasn't a lot going into that, a lot of thought going into that. You know, right. the NBA, like somebody just like, hey, what if we do this? And we're like, great, 30 teams, do that. Let's go. Science deal delivered.
1: Right. No, I know I I I used to like those, but um, more so the story behind me and choosing race cars. I grew up with not much money. So honestly, uh, no, I grew up in Canada where you know there's it's poverty and it's not much money. So, and I was used to everyone around us not having much money. But my grandfather, he owned a Mercedes-Benz. I'm not good with car names or types or anything like that, but he drove a vintage Mercedes Benz. It was powder blue. I never forget it. It was shining. He always kept it washed. It was always clean. It was the cleanest thing on the block, and it was all. It was always my. It was my earliest opportunity to see wealth or to see opportunity for change. Because in this completely rundown city, I'd see my grandfather with the shiniest car on the block it just was something to me it, it it lit up something in me that never honestly went away i just leaned more so into that and you know like i said the internet is a beautiful place i just typed in mercedes-benz and it took me down a rabbit hole of vintage cars and and now like different monte carlos and different fords and all big you know muscle cars and things like that so it comes it stems from a true feeling and childhood mystique that I had, but I want to branch it out more and make it more marketable and, you know, something that the public would enjoy.
0: I think that's a great idea. And it seems like a a good way to honor and connect with your grandfather, the memories you have of him with a car like that. It's funny when you think of, you know, the first car that made an impression on you and you're know you able to recall it that clearly. Mine was not a Mercedes Benz. It's popping in my head. It was uh, my dad had an 85 Buick Skylark and it was this blue that had like a, uh, like a speckled diamond shimmer to the to the paint job and uh that just sticks in my head all the time i i don't know i don't think i'm even making any shirts though based on it but hey who knows <laughs> you, never know. you, you never know you never know you never know so where else are you getting inspiration from and you know you're talking about you want to do a cut and design start from scratch and, and build from there have you had any experience doing that and you know how do you think that's going to go about
1: After high school, I went to the art institute in Philadelphia. So I had a little technical training when it comes to fashion, but not too much. I didn't stay there too long. I was actually going after a semester or two. I figured out really fast. It wasn't for me. And I honestly just didn't, didn't, it wasn't a good fit for me. But YouTube, YouTube, it taught me, it's teaching me and it taught me a lot. I'm I'm a quick learner. When it comes to the cut and sew, when I want to go bigger scale, I'm going to actually venture out and actually hire manufacturers and get samples and and do things that way. But I do want to learn firsthand everything, what's going on behind the scenes. I want to actually know what they're actually doing. I may not be making the the actual pieces, but I do want to know how the pieces are made in-house when it comes to the cut and sew and actually moving to the next level of my brand.
0: I think that's a good way to go about it. You know, try to get some some insight
1: and you know and have input on on how that's going about. I wanna know every detail that's going into it. I wanna know how it's actually being done. So if I'm able to do it in house first, I'm able to explain exactly what I need and what I want put out into the public.
0: It seems like a good path you can try to go down and, and see what's happening are there any type of fashion houses and i mean i, I know there's clothes made in philadelphia and, and things like that like on on mass scale instead of like i know they have small tailor smaller tailor shops and things like that Yeah,
1: absolutely you can find uh different manufacturers overseas or you can find them in the usa uh some somewhere in, uh, as close as philly you can find any in new york uh california texas uh, I'm sure you can find them pretty much all over the United States as well as overseas. It's just finding the right one for you and actually making a true connection with this person. If you want to scale, I feel as though you need to make a true connection with the actual manufacturer and actually know what you're getting yourself into and and if you want to do this long term and choose this manufacturer you know it, like what they're good at, and what they're not good at what their strengths and weaknesses. Are.
0: What drives your entrepreneurship mentality,
1: mindset? Actually, that's a that's a great question. No, I don't like working for people. It's cut and dry as that. We actually met working in a serving job. Honestly, my, my entire twenties I worked in serve. I worked in the service industry because I didn't really enjoy the idea of having a boss, quote unquote, a boss. So the service industry always gave me the opportunity to present myself as myself to each party, each table, each guest and put my work first and uh i felt er- serving was a great way to to basically build my communication skills as well as not have a true boss because at the end of the day um, when you're serving your guest becomes your boss you're basically rated basically how they tip you honestly my entrepreneur spirit became more prevalent when i realized i didn't want to work for people and when i was younger I didn't know what else I wanted to do outside of basketball, and and to be completely honest with myself, uh, I thought I'd be an NBA. I thought I'd be, uh, I'd be I thought I'd be close to retirement by now. So the idea of working for somebody else long term, having a having somebody oversee what I'm doing, it cringes me out. I can't do it.
0: Yeah, so in the serving industry, you have your general boss who hands you your paycheck every week, every two weeks. But on the the micro scale, your boss is that table that you're serving and you're getting your performance review every 45 minutes to an hour as they're leaving their tip on the table. And if you happen to not be good and your performance review is, you know, needs improvement, like that's shown instantly in like, wow, they gave me zero dollars or they gave me five exactly. percent. You know? And then your other table, you might have excels, A pluses, whatever it might be, as they're giving you 40% on who knows what, you I know mean, those bills were easily under $200, $300. I mean, getting that in such a quick turnaround, that's it, pretty solid. Exactly. You said you thought you'd be closer to retirement than you are than starting out right now. What was
1: your basketball career like? Oh, I played I played four years basketball at had a nice high school. Um, I was a pretty average player, nothing too crazy. I, I ended up playing, I played pretty well my senior year. No offers or anything like that. Uh, I went to a small D three school called Newman University. I played for about a semester there, and I ended up coming home early. Started to realize what my issue was as I got a, became an adult. I got a therapist. I sat down with a therapist and realized. What we talked, and I was actually diagnosed with a situational situational anxiety, anxiety and depression. And I always knew I was good enough. But when the, the moments presented themselves, I shrunk, and I never understood why. And as I got older, it was something I needed to actually talk to somebody about, talk to somebody with about. And it became more clear to me that more of my, my issues on the basketball court was more mental than physical. So, you know, after after coming home from college, I didn't play uh I didn't play anymore. You know, I didn't play anymore officially, but I kept playing and kept myself in shape and was looking for a next opportunity, but the next opportunity never came and figured out to figure it out from there.
0: Did it seem like this the situational anxiety and depression would do better in practice or in pickup? And then when it was game time or where was it affecting you the
1: most? Yeah, when in practice, in practice or pickup, I was I was go I was I was LeBron James. I can do whatever I want. It wasn't until game time started where I started to feel those jitters or that that nerve that came that you know everyone feels it. But um, being a young kid and not actually understanding myself and truly realizing what it was, it all came out. It all came out the wrong worst time for myself.
0: I mean, I can't only imagine opinion. how frustrating that is. Did your coach have any? I mean, obviously, not the right advice. If you know it didn't work out, were they equally as frustrated too? Like they're seeing, they're seeing the work, they're seeing the talent, and it just wasn't translating at game time.
1: Yeah, basically, they, they, you know, it wasn't. I feel as though mental health and speaking about things like this didn't became more relevant until after I graduated. So I think opening up and talking like this, it it helps a lot, even right now, and even this setting right now, I'm, I'm becoming more comfortable within this conversation, even speaking about that. But younger me wouldn't talk, wouldn't tell anybody. I had no clue what was going on with myself the, until I realized that all of these jitters and things would come out the minute I saw my mom in the stands. So if my mom is there, I, I, I clamp up because there's there's something that felt like it was more on the line for me because this is a dream that I had since I was a child. My dream was always to provide for my mom you know as a child it's, it's it wasn't it was nothing more it was nothing bigger to me than providing for my mom and then once i saw her in the crowd that's when those nerves and anxieties and things started to kick in full gear that has
0: to be that has to be tough i love basketball i still play a little bit i'm nowhere close to anything of having any type of glory day stories like the like you know like us. I think there was a, a pep rally probably sophomore year in high school. And they had, it was me and my buddy on the team, Dan, and they called out the two best varsity girl players to have a three point shooting contest. And they put us out against them with like the intention of us getting blown out. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan and I happened to come out on top. Threes were raining down. And that was like, that, uh, that was my glory days of shooting from then. Uh, but, Otherwise, it was some you know back, backyard basketball highlights, and and pretty much that was it.
1: You probably still remember the weather that day and everything.
0: I was indoor at the gym. It was uh you know it was an indoor pep rally. The whole school was there, <laughs> and uh, so uh, definitely understand the nerves of that. And I I don't understand where that that shooting came from. I I'm more to understand where that shooting went. I was like, oh, I have it. Let's go. I was like, no, yeah. never sh- never <laughs> showed <shut> up again. <laughs> you know. One and and no. my other my other top basketball highlight was in a JV game. I forget who we were playing. Maybe maybe it was Heights or Haddon Township, one of them. Colonial Conference over here, so. What school and we're playing did you go to? Sterling. What
1: school did you Oh, you went to Sterling. I played I, yeah, I went to and I I had my best game against Sterling.
0: Yeah. I was not there, that's probably why. <laughs> uh but I got yanked out of a game for hitting a three-pointer cuz I was the I, you know, 6-3, so you know, back then in JV that made you a center instantly. Uh, and oh, I was yeah. allowed to dribble oh, yeah. or do anything. I was allowed to shoot outside of five feet. I hit a three pointer. I got pulled from the game. I'm like, oh, all right, man. That was now like a... that's what they'd want. Now that'd be it. I, you know, I'm like the
1: Kevin hey. Love over here. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah.
0: So to loop this back. Able...
1: Oh god. No, you wouldn't be able to make the team if you couldn't shoot the three now.
0: Oh yeah, it's just changed so much. So it you know, moving back to mental health. You know, talking about the NBA, they never talked about it in the 80s, the 90s. Like there, you know, there would be head cases. There was Dennis Rodman was a head case. And then in the 2000s, you know, you had Rasheed Wallace. You had, uh, he was a head case. Who went, oh, Ron Artest went in the stands. He was oh, a head okay. case. Gilbert Arenas pulled the gun out Gilbert, or brought the gun. brought the, He brought the yeah. gun into the... And for me saying, he wasn't the crazy one. So he was crazy for bringing that. And then, uh, right? I forget who he was Go who he had an issue with, had gambling debt with. Like that guy was a head case. So all, all this was head cases <laughs> until the early 2010s. And then Kevin Love comes out and he starts talking about it more and more about anxiety and a therapist. I think he took some time off. And yeah. and there was a lot of pushback at that time when he came out with that. Like that wasn't that wasn't even accepted amongst the pros. It was very exactly. much like suck it down and you know, you're fine and you're okay and move on.
1: Oh, and yeah. now you
0: you have people and I think it's very good what the teams do. You know, Kyrie Irving, you know, however you might feel about him, but he's very outspoken about mental health and Absolutely. you know, about you know, having to be centered within himself. Ben Simmons had a, a famous mental health issue, but I don't know how that's turning out for him. But you know, but still it's um, you, you feel bad for these guys if that's truly what's holding them back. As you're coming up at that time, that wasn't there for you. You know, it took you what right. should have been there, should have been easy to go talk to somebody or having a coach or having the coaches then like that. We wouldn't even get water breaks in football practice. Freshman yeah, football yeah. It was like hundred degrees out, like you guys are drinking like you're weak. And it's like I'm Stop having a heat stroke, that. man. Like I need to drink of water. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, but for to take
0: that long to come around, missed opportunities. I guess is the is the point
1: of it. Absolutely. I, that's that's where I look at it. That's, and honestly, it, it I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I look at it as it helps certain people, but not not everyone. It you know certain people you know they lived through that and they it actually made them better. Don't be soft. Suck it up. Get up. Things like that. That that works for certain people. Not everyone. Not everyone.
0: Now you see that with you know even current bosses the way you know their mentality of, of treating employees and you know not everyone's the same and the suck it up and move on the slamming things down when you're talking to them it doesn't really you know, it doesn't really work in this world anymore you have to have a personal touch with somebody and try to make somewhat of a connection so it can have a hierarchy of authority while also being human to each other we're Absolutely. all in this together like everyone's experiencing it in a different way yeah. in their own their own
1: filters circle back to basically why I want to be an entrepreneur and when I when I hear the word boss I, I think of I think of coach I think of I think of that get up that push it or suck it up mentality and honestly my brand is to counteract that because that's honestly what what's helped me back a lot in my life not being able to speak out when I needed to speak out and feeling as though a boss is a coach. So yeah, that, that's more, more of a reason why I want to be an entrepreneur full time. I want to be my own coach.
0: You know, especially this day and age, the internet's there for you. There are opportunities to partner, even for me. I'm looking for, I was trying to look into developing merchandise of some sort and putting that out. I don't know where to begin on that. So I started Googling and there's ways you can drop ship orders and things like that. Like I don't need to have a garage full of wild, weird, and sometimes normal t-shirts. I don't need yeah. a garage full of bumper stickers. I don't need to go to the post office every day and, and ship these out as they're being ordered. But there's ways you can connect with people who do this for a living or that's what they do. And they handle the merchandise and they handle the logistics and they handle that. And then as you grow and develop more and then become more comfortable, you can take more of that back, more of that control back you know, and decide what you want to do the next step with. I, I just think we mm-hmm. live in a great age right now with technology, with entrepreneur mindset, with seeing so many people there's so many great stories of people coming up from nothing and making everything yeah yeah, yeah no, they're great for that did you see i think it was on netflix the the kanye west documentary the three three or four part documentary yeah,
1: the, the genius uh documentary yeah
0: yeah yeah so that. everything except for the last episode the last episode was very sad uh really got into his mental health issues that he has you could see Disassociation with reality. You could see the leeches, the people, you know, the, the vampires just trying to get any type of anything they could from him, mm-hmm. you know, and not caring about his well being. But prior to that, and again, what, whatever your opinions on Kanye West, that's fine too. Prior to that, me. his work ethic, his determination, his refusal to take no from anybody like that guy had a dream. If you think you're working hard on on your dream, this isn't specific to you, this, you know, you as an audience. If you think you're working hard on your dream, watch this documentary. And if you're doing what he's doing, then that answer is yes, you are. But if you're not doing, like this guy refused to say no. Like everybody tried to put him in a corner, everybody tried to put him in a box. Jay Z was like, Oh, you're my beat maker. You're going to go over here and do this. And he's like, That's not what I do. He's like, I do everything. I'm great at everything. Now, when he said he was great at everything, was he? Maybe when he was just saying it the first time he wasn't, but by the end of it, I was like, "Man, this guy's pretty
1: great at this." Yeah, he's pretty good at manifestation.
0: That, you know, that's part of it too. I think that's a. Do you participate in any of that? Do you? Do you think? I, do you think that way? I do.
1: I do. I do. I do. I do. I absolutely do believe that the more you speak things into reality, the more things can become. I believe it. It, it builds something in your brain that it's almost unstoppable. It it's honestly worked it with my life so. I can speak that to its truth. Uh, It's something as small as going into a full parking lot and telling myself, no, I'm going to find a parking spot at the very front of this mall. And one time it happened and and it it, it made me smile. And and from then on out, I just, I just, you know, I, I, I believe in it. I truly do believe in it.
0: As I've gotten older, i become more of a believer in it. When I was growing up, there was a lot of new age and a lot of, of woo and things like that. And it seemed like people were just trying to jump onto anything and sell any type of idea. And I wasn't huge on that. And then as I've gotten older, you see some people get a lot of great breaks coming their way through documentaries and things like this. You'll see more information of them coming out. That there's this great documentary with Jim Carrey. And it's when he was filming Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman movie. And Mm -hmm. he had his own film crew following him throughout. And Jim Carrey, like a complete, you know, God bless that director who directed Man on the Moon. Jim Carrey, when he was Andy Kaufman, he stayed as Andy Kaufman. He treated everybody as Andy Kaufman would. And then there was uh, Tony something was the other personality of Andy Kaufman. And that guy was kind of a drunk and, you know, he was a lounge singer like and he's screaming. So complete insanity. But Jim Carrey's in this interview, and he and he's talking yeah. about he has manifested everything in his entire life. You know, he wrote himself a ten million dollar check when he was dirt poor, and then within two years, that ten million dollar check was real. There's a scene in the Truman Show where his hands are up in the rain and he's screaming, "What do you want me to do?" And he's explaining, "He's like that happened to me in real life." And he's like, "And that's how I chose to do the Truman Show." You know, there's a lot of successful people who believe in the manifestation of of your wants that the universe works for you. With the energy you put out, you'll get back.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Also, he he used to ride around in a certain neighborhood and park outside, and said, "Yeah, this is going to be my house one day." And Like you said, it did happen. And I I love that because it it gives you proper faith. It gives you something to truly believe in. And what what else are you going to do? Keep speaking negative thoughts into the universe and keep getting negative results. Why not try something different? Truly believe in what you say
0: even for people who may not believe fully in the manifestation of your reality, even we just said right there, the, the thinking of negative thoughts, you have two young children, I'm sure they get in some mood. Sometimes my, mine definitely do. And I try to snap them out of it. And, you know, not everything, not everything is bad. Not everything is a punishment that we're going out to the store, but like just start looking at things like it's okay. I feel like I'm losing my point on this a little bit, it, you know, <laughs> minus the children. I, I try them to focus on positive, but for people, You get out of bed and you think, hey, today's going to be a great day. And you walk downstairs and you see your significant other, you see your roommate, you see whatever. And they say, hey, how are you doing? And you look at them and you go, well, today sucks. Well, guess what? Today is going to suck. You just said it's going to suck. Like your mentality already is the day sucks. But when they see you and they're like, how's it going? Hey, I'm great. It doesn't mean every day has to be great. But the more you trick yourself into that it's great, the more it actually does become great. Now, there's still times you slip up or you you slept bad or you woke up in the middle of the night or you couldn't sleep. You know, things like that.
1: Sure. We're you human, eventually. absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a snowball effect. The more you speak negative things, the more the snowball becomes bigger. But the more you speak positive things into the yeah. universe, I feel as though that that snowball can also grow as well.
0: Right. The guy who cuts you off in traffic when you're in a bad mood pisses you off ten times more than the guy who cuts mm-hmm. you off. But maybe you see it coming up and you you know you ease off your gas a little bit. You're like, oh, this guy's just trying to get in. When you're in a bad mood, right. you're like, fuck this guy. Like I was here first. I'm gonna speed up. And we live in New Jersey, so it's always fuck this guy. I'm gonna speed up. <laughs> But you know, like, hey, maybe get off the gas a little bit. Let the guy slide in. He gives you a wave. You wave back to him. Everyone's day just got a little bit better. All
1: right.
0: Do you listen to a specific podcast or books or anything to help you with this mentality?
1: I listen mm-hmm. to uh, audio When I listen to podcasts, I like to listen to uh, different basketball podcasts because they, you know, they they knew the game. I actually well I to listen to former athletes podcasts because they actually lived the game that they speak, as opposed to speak listen to the media and. And things like that. So yeah, I listen to JJ Reddick's podcast a lot. I like to listen to Knuckleheads podcast, uh, all the smoke. Yeah, I, I pretty much surround myself within the basketball sphere when it comes to podcasts. But when it comes to books, I, I like to listen to. Right now, I'm listening to Power versus Force, and trying to really, really, really understand uh, that you know we we can go through these different phases from guilt to shame to fear, to desire, and and we can we can get out of this and get closer towards where we're not forcing things to happen to us, and we have the power to actually make things happen for us. So, I'll yeah, right that now... That
0: sounds yeah, good. I've, I've never read that. That sounds good, though. Power versus force. Pretty good book. So far, the review is it's good, and if, when you get done, if we change it, I'll take the link out of the show notes, but I maybe I'll put that in the show notes and people can see if they can get to it.
1: Yeah, I would put a pin in that one. That's a good one.
0: So when you're listening to these podcasts, the old man, and the three—that's JJ's podcast and his buddy Tommy. What does that guy do? Like you talk about, you know, lucking out in life. This guy is a co-host on JJ Reddick's podcast. I don't know if he brings anything to the table. He's never played. <laughs> he's never played ball. Like I feel like I played at a higher level, and I I barely played at any level.
1: The, yeah, the fact that he has a seat at the table, it, it it says a lot about him it, because he. I, I feel like he holds his own when he's in these conversations. He's He's, uh, he's asking insightful questions that the fans want to hear. So I, I feel as though he gives us uh, he gives a fan a seat at the table with these former NBA players. So I, I just like to look at it in that you know in that viewpoint, where though he is he is us at the as the viewer that's sitting there front seat.
0: I guess I have to change my mentality on it, we just went through this whole thing of seeing things positively. Then I bring up Tommy and I'm hating on him instantly. <laughs> and I'm like, what's he even doing here? But he's it's the everyman. Snowball. He's the yeah. I, obviously I didn't do a very good job of the snowball effect today <laughs> so you're listening to these shows you're you're watching inside the NBA TNT things like that you're watching SportsCenter, Center th- all these basketball highlights this has giving you inspiration for your your clothing line for your designs for things that you want to do are you pulling things from somewhere else or what what are you seeing that then is triggering you to to go in whatever direction you want to go
1: um, I have a I have a few people that, you know, that inspire me outside of basketball. Entertainment-wise, I get a big chunk of my inspiration from Nipsey Hussle. He's a, a rapper, late rapper that passed away a few years ago. The embodiment of his, uh, you know, his story and his brand was, it was called the Barathon. And it was basically understanding that, you know, there's no finish line. For me, what resonated to me and what it said to me was, there's no finish line. The journey is more important than the finish line. And, and that's what I want to transfer into my brand. I want to build a brand to where people understand that there's no end to success. There's only the journey. The journey is the only important part. So I like Nipsey that. I like that be- thought. Right. So Nipsey also becomes a huge inspiration for me as well as uh Muhammad Ali, I just love his, uh, his approach, cocky approach. I, I look, uh, When it comes to fashion, I, I like Pharrell. Pharrell the, I take a lot of fashion inspiration from Pharrell, as well as Tyler Creator. Those two guys are pretty big influences on my fashion. Uh, you know, when I look at different pieces and what I actually would wear if I had that, you know, those funds. They
0: had mentioned Pharrell. He was on, I don't know the name of the show. My wife was watching some reality show with him. And it involved him producing church music, and they were going to go on tour. By the yeah. end of that show, Pharrell was, um, I, I don't know where he, he grew up, Virginia. Chicago or New York, uh, Virginia. Okay. So maybe he went back yeah. home to Virginia, mm-hmm. and he knew somebody who was the head of the church choir. I'm, I'm lost on a lot of these positions that people hold <laughs> within music, uh, the head of the church choir, and it was all people from the community. And they—they they had some of them had amazing voices. And he came there. Maybe I'm mixing the story up. I don't know. He built this church choir of people and they sounded amazing and they're going to go on tour. I went from barely knowing, you know, my church music that I grew up with was nowhere near this. It was barely anything. I barely paid attention <laughs> to at the end. I was like, well, when's this album come out? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download this album. This is great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The um, the book I'm in reading right now, Power vs. it it speaks about a lot about influence and power. And Pharrell holds that influence in fashion that you know that I really I really love about him, and um, and like you were saying with the um, with him finding those the the right people in the choir, he he understands where to look and and who to find, and he he just has that that true influence where the right people will come to him, and I, I love that about him that the fact that he actually built this congregation of people and it and it worked out so well.
0: I think if you're open to people coming to you, and you're looking for the right thing, now, great. You have to have that vision. You have to have all of that. You have to you have to have that track record of, of success to have people coming to you and recognize that. But to view every individual as a positive opportunity, not as like somebody you can use and and step on to move up, but as like you know, hey, how can we how can we help each other? What you know, what is this? If if you're developing a connection with them to to move forward, I I feel like that's what you're trying to say. And that the power versus force with him that he. Yeah. I, he has that type of vision. Absolutely. special people, man. Special people.
1: Just like uh, JJ found Tommy.
0: That was it. I'm not gonna hate <laughs> on him. Tommy, thanks for bringing the people's voice to the table. <laughs> What's next for you? What do you What do you have on the the board now?
1: Right now, I'm um, you know I'm feeling, trying to finish up this uh, the race car theme project I have put, coming out, and I want to dive more into the fashion show space and and actually attend these fashion shows. I've never actually been to a fashion show. I've been courtside to a basketball game, but I've never been actually front row of a fashion show. And that's, that's on one of my, that's that's big on my to-do list for this year. So I want to be in those rooms with these people and, and, you know, basically build, build my brand, build my personal brand as well as my, um, my equipment brand.
0: I think that's a great approach. Have you done any research? What's the closest fashion show that you can get to? I mean, New York has stuff.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. The internet is great, man. You can I can find this in thirty seconds. Uh, fashion shows are I can find one year round, but uh, New York is a big on fashion shows. I've been spending a lot of time in New York lately in the fashion district. It's like a fashion show. Walking through the fashion district, everyone is dressed every day. Every every day I go to New York, it's it's a complete fashion show. I love it. It's a, it's a great environment to be in because everyone, I, I love fashion because it, it's a way to express yourself. And growing up with that anxiety and depression, if you dress well, you feel well. It always was a, a great way to alleviate that, that stress. For me. Knowing that I woke up with a good outfit on and I can say today is a good day because of my outfit, it goes back to that snowball effect. The rest of my day is going to turn out this as well.
0: Look good, feel good, do good.
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: all right so let's we're talking about fashion here stealing somebody's design and selling it in a national chain store and not giving that person credit
1: <laughs> I know too well I know this subject all too well oh you
0: want to tell me a story on that
1: one that is crazy that is also a, a great inspiration on why I started the brand I did start hm and uh <laughs> great I love them uh my sister and I you know going back to basketball we were uh, this is after I after I graduated and after I left Newman. I was home, you know, staying in shape, uh, getting myself together, putting together footage. My sister is a photographer and she was actually taking pictures and getting some film of me playing. She got a really good image of me playing basketball. I was shooting, posted it online. And two weeks later, HM has a picture of me sold out, <laughs> 19.99, at t-shirt of me with a, with a shirt that says nyc ballers never at this time i've never been in new york so it was just crazy to me that they can just steal the image put it on t-shirts and just sell it within two weeks time and there's not much i can do about it because the image wasn't copyrighted so that honestly drove my passion to get more into fashion because a shirt with my face on it (laughs) sold out and a and that's change the story. So if they can do it, I can do it. It's
0: amazing. Copyrights are amazing. So I, I wrote a kid's book and I was able to copyright that. And it did, I don't think it cost, I don't even know if it cost money to copyright it. And if it did, it wasn't very much money at all. And so I did that. And once I created it, I didn't have to copyright it. And if somebody wrote the same story, I could prove based on where I saved it on Word that I made it, but it'd be a lot of legal issues with it. It was easier okay. to copyright. I now have it. I have this piece of paper. You know, J.K. Rowling decides to have a kid spy book going on. Like, hey, I had to hear first. Like, you know, (laughs) a podcast. I was looking at copywriting it. It's everything is a unique work because this conversation is unique. You don't know what people are going to say, and as we're saying it, as we're saying it's being copyrighted as we speak. And then when I post it and it's published, it's even more copyrighted. A picture. That's interesting, (laughs) right? But a picture. Who else is taking a picture at that exact same time with the sun? The shadows, <laughs> the buildings, the move, yeah. it's the specific spot that you are, you could not recreate. Your sister couldn't take two of the same pictures of you no. if you moved off that spot. You would never be exactly on that exact same spot. The chances of that would be so slim. And for them yeah. to sit there and say, you know, that, that's not a copy. Well, it's not your work. Like, so you just go <laughs> steal people's stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. So then I was that's hearing right. a story that they can now embed a copyright in a picture. And there's almost like uh, ambulance chasing lawyers. There's there's like ambulance chasing photographers where they're embedding. It's like one pixel, so a picture is made of you know a billion pixels, and within one mm-hmm. pick one pixel, they're putting this copyright that you don't know. And then there's software that can scan every day and see where it was uploaded. So they're letting yeah. people think that it's a free picture they're uploading, and then coming and saying you owe me ten thousand dollars on this picture, and then getting people to either pay the ten grand or settle very close to it. Wow. Like, this is, you know, this is crazy. Wow, that is nuts. So H and M stole your picture. It's it, it was fascinating. I was like, this is, you know, yeah. really slimy, but like uh, absolutely fascinating. I need to be better at <laughs> taking pictures. This is crazy, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So H and M stole your picture, and then I remember seeing that online. So then I googled and I found the shirt, and it was like twelve mm-hmm. bucks. Yeah. I was like man, I need that shirt. Like, that's my guy on there. But I was yeah. like, I can't do that. I'm not. I can't support that. But like, I'm hooping. I could. I could be wearing this shirt. I was like, no, yeah. no that, I got Osweir the way Pack. That's it. But
1: uh, yeah, right. I appreciate you
0: should that. Rebring that shirt out somehow. And I gave, it's not copyrighted. So, you know, retake back, reclaim what's mine.
1: Yeah, I did. I didn't want to make it. I didn't want to make it known, but you did mention something. What I was going to do is I am actually, I actually took a screenshot of the picture being sold out. And I'm going to sell plain T-shirts with that screenshot of that shirt being sold out with the image on it and everything. So hopefully, hopefully that that does well. Hopefully, and I'm I'm gonna sell it for the same price h m sold this for, and I'm gonna love- post it with their picture. So hopefully that gets the viral attention that the the first post got, or if not more.
0: Oh yeah, hopefully. I mean, I just I just found that amazing. Yeah, that that's just crazy. Like you didn't agree to be on a T-shirt with them, and from oh no, we can just take that. Like, okay, okay. No.
1: Well,
0: and then I there's okay. also another story. There's Oh maybe it's Bj Novak from the office. It's him or somebody who looks like him. And there's a stock picture and his picture is like all over China on all these products. And cuz they just pulled his picture off the internet and now he, mm-hmm. you know, he's selling like a spatula or something and you know, but it doesn't say Bj Novak, but just his picture. He's like I'm on all this stuff and like they're just keep reusing it. You know, kind of funny and but not funny when it happens to people who are trying to start their own business and their own clothing line to have another Major retailer, come and take what's yours. Right. This is the it's snowball fun. effect of positivity. Of now, you're going to turn into a positive, and then yeah, you know, that, hopefully, that, take that, that to
1: go viral. Yeah, it it was it's it was good for me. It, I'm glad it happened because without it happening, I don't know if it would inspire me to actually build my own clothing brand. So, thank you, H and M.
0: When you're <laughs> receiving awards at you know the New York Fashion Show, and you know you get Creator of the Year, you can give them the shout out. I'll
1: make Whether sure I new. send them a bottle. Yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> this will be like uh, your Tupac all eyes on me when he just goes off on everybody. And it's just, a, you know, this is the prosecutor. This is the warden. You know, you can just go all all down. Just shout out to everybody.
1: Can't wait, man. Let's manifest that.
0: Yeah, I hope so, man. All right. So I have a couple of questions for you as we're wrapping up here. Inside the NBA, why can I not get seasons of that on DVD? I would rewatch oh, I, I don't even need to see the games attached to it. I would just watch shots, Chuck and Kenny go at each other. And when they first put Shaq in, I wasn't a big fan. It was disrupting. Yeah. It was disrupting right. people that I knew, disrupting mm-hmm. my friend group. I'm like, come on, man. Like I know Ernie, <laughs> I know Chuck, I know Kenny. This is just this, I don't need this fourth guy here, but now yeah, Chuck's part of the family. Him. I'm sorry. Now Shaq's part of the family too. And it's great. But the TNT doesn't understand a gold mine that they're sitting on.
1: Right. It's, it's yeah, half yeah, hour of comedy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I thought honestly at first I thought Shaq was gonna be too big for the show, but I'm I'm glad he fits right there. Man. I love I love his back and forth with Charles, man. Yeah, I think it took like him
0: a little bit to to ease in and figure out where his lane was in there with those guys because mm-hmm. he has a huge I mean all those guys have you know I mean Chuck has a huge personality and Shaq has a huge personality. Mm-hmm. And then Ernie is you know just very the straight man the whole time for the most part, and I'll rib them every once in a while. And uh Kenny's just has a good personality. And i think it just took shaq a little bit to realize like i don't always have to be over top of chuck i don't always have you know they kind of found where they can play off each other yeah they're, they're hysterical
1: yeah i love it yeah, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to chase kenny every episode well, i called <laughs> it an episode see that that's crazy it should be episodes
0: this is what i'm saying man this should like, i should be able to get these on dvd and i should watch them on like rainy sick <laughs> days or whatever that like i'm not going to work or something like oh, i'm going to put on season seven of you know episode yeah. four it's the best
1: I would definitely binge watch it on Netflix. There was,
0: this is probably late nineties, you know, come on Wednesday nights or whatever. And I'm still in school and I stay up and watch it or whatever. It just sticks in my head. So it was Chuck's birthday and Kenny, the whole episode is just hyping up like, Hey Chuck, I got your present, man. I got your present, man. <laughs> and Chuck's like, nah, no, nah, no." Nah. And then by the end, like Chuck is getting hyped. He's like, really, really God, please, close your eyes, man, close your eyes. And he brought him out a Twinkie with a candle in it the look on chuck's face when he opened his eyes like he thought that kenny really brought, really bought him a present really just absolutely comedy um amazing it's so good so stupid so good
1: Pure I love it. I'm here. so very very frustrating absolutely frustrating times to be a sixes fan that's why I'm, i can never be a sixes fan even growing up out here i could not be a sixes it's stressful
0: it, it's tough times, man. It's tough times when career highlights, you know, AI, great, getting to the finals, you know, but our, you know, our parade is his crossover over Tyron Lue and stepping over him. I've got, <laughs> I've got a t-shirt of AI stepping over Tyron Lue. But guess what happened a week later? Tyron Lue was in a parade getting a trophy and gets talked about all the time that he's a champion. You got TJ McConnell hitting a game winner over Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, he's doing, it looks like he just won the NCAA tournament jumping up in the air and pumping <laughs> his fist and Embiid choking him and like all this crazy stuff. Like Those are our Sixers highlights for the last 20 years yeah. or Ben Simmons passing up, uh, up a wide open dunk against Trey young. Cause he's afraid to get fouled by a guy. He's two feet taller than I, I don't know. Quick question.
1: Who would you buy the t-shirt from with the Tyron Lou and um, Allen Iverson? Cause if it wasn't from the NBA, it's copyright infringement.
0: Oh, that's their problem. That's not my problem. My problem <laughs> is that I have a sweet shirt to wear somebody else who I bought the shirt of doesn't have to worry about the NBA. Them. That is very different. Yeah. I am just aware of of fine goods. But all right, man. Where can people find you? Where can we support WavePack?
1: Find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is WavePack, W-A-V-P-A-Q. Simple as that.
0: I love it. Anything else you want to cover?
1: I mean, that's been great, man. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. It's My first podcast I've ever been on. I had a good time.
0: You're welcome back anytime, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Terrell Clark, Wavepack, Twitter, Instagram. Find him with Wavepack. Please support him. Tell him you heard him on Wild and Weird. Have a good night, man. man. I appreciate it. You too, man. Thank you. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guest. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.